Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Top five Monday thoughts. Number five, North Carolina still has a ways to go. Uh, I thought that maybe the Virginia loss was a, a fluke, but... Georgia Tech, who's better than Virginia, and honestly, if you're in the ACC and you want to, you know, change the stars of your program, hire a guy named Brent, Brent Key and Brent Pry, uh, both doing well uh, at their programs, but uh, Haynes King had a career night, uh, and North Carolina, the last couple weeks, no defense to speak of, and they are as it stands right now, because they won't get a shot at either FSU or Louisville, especially Louisville, who has a loss. They won't get a shot at either of those guys. They have to hope for a lot of things to happen if they want to play in the ACC title game again. And that was a little bit surprising to me because I thought that um, especially, and now I don't know how long he's going to be out because he took that hit at the end of the game, that kind of end of the game, that Tez Walker would change that team completely. But uh, they've lost two in a row, and, and Mac Brown is left scratching his head as to, to where things went awry. Yeah, apparently he's doing okay, Tez Walker, but I don't know that there's any report on, like, what he's facing moving forward as far as, you know, missing a game or anything like that. But, uh, you know, in terms of having to go to the hospital, he's doing okay. So that's I thought he was released, good yeah. To hear. Um, yeah, things are going good on the health front, but I'm saying I don't know how much time he's missing or if he's going to miss any time or whatever, but everything else, else seems to be fine. Uh, but, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a tough deal. I mean, it's kind of Mac Brown too, though, right? I mean, he loses games that you don't expect uh, to lose, and that was certainly the case uh, a couple weeks back. And um, now you follow it up with another one, and yeah, your dreams are starting to get dashed in a major way right here at the end. And just a shame when you've got it uh, set up the way you do with your quarterback and uh, feeling like this is going to be a bit, pretty big year, and we'll see how they close. But yeah, they've certainly gotten derailed here in the past couple of games. Number four. Mike Gundy's demise was prematurely reported. Uh, he's figured it out. And I think that, I mean, of course, we talked about it uh, with Dave Hunzacker earlier, but, uh, you know, they, they figured out what they had and they, they adjusted. Um, I do think, though, had they messed around with the three quarterbacks any longer, maybe this wouldn't have happened. But uh, he, he figured out when to go and just stick with Alan Bowman when he did. And, of course, Ollie Gordon's explosion has certainly helped this. But, uh, they figured out who they were, and, and credit to Mike Gundy for doing that because after South Alabama, that felt like it was about to be a lost season. 
Yeah, it did. And South Alabama's a good team. I mean, mm-hmm. to their credit, they still shouldn't be beating Oklahoma State the way that they did. Um, it wasn't even just that you lost. It's how you lost. But and at home. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all the factors of how you lost. And, um, yeah, that was a brutal defeat. And uh, for them to now go on this run that they've been on with uh, Ollie Gordon leading the way, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I'm sure uh, just a, a brilliant uh, time for Oklahoma State fans who – at the beginning of the year, thought that, you know, a lot of hope was lost, but now here you are, and Bedlam's as big as it possibly could be, and much bigger than you probably thought it would ever be after the South Alabama game. It was always going to be big regardless, but now it has, like, stakes beyond just the rivalry and it's the last time and all those types of things. It was going to have that regardless, but now it has actual stakes as well. And so, yeah, Mike Gundy deserves a lot of credit uh, for figuring things out, but, I mean, that you would hope that a guy who's been around as long as he has can figure those things out and that he hadn't lost his touch, and, and certainly he has not lost his touch. They just needed to make some changes, and, and those changes have been for the better. Number three, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the reason Ohio State is undefeated. That in the defense. But the difference in the last couple of games against Penn State and Wisconsin was 18. They um, And uh, Ecuba's been out. Uh, so that like they haven't had all their playmakers. Travian Henderson certainly, I think, made a difference uh, against Wisconsin as well. But uh, if you want to go by why Ohio State can keep winning these narrow games, yes, it's their defense. But if they did not have this guy, they'd have lost a couple of those because they're just not there on the rest of their offense yet. But he is so freaking good. He's the difference in all of these. Yeah, he's special. I mean, we're watching him on Sundays here pretty soon. And, um, yeah, he's kept them afloat when they don't have uh, nearly as many options as they would previously have. You know, there's something like, I mean, what was it, the last year, last couple years, the receiving core alone was, I mean, as star-studded as you could possibly get deep. And uh, that's just not the case for them right now. Got a lot of young talent just, you know, kind of finding their way. But, I mean, he's a – a bona fide superstar and uh yeah he's he's everything you want in a in a star wide receiver and and he is keeping them above water in some cases as as that defense is as well so yeah he's he's unbelievable number two oregon is out for blood they are absolutely just out for blood the way that they demolished utah like that um dan lanning has got something going there craig you mentioned it earlier on the show uh, i know and I, I agree with you i know that washington won that game Oregon was in position to maybe even run away with it if their if their fourth down calls work out. I think Oregon is probably better top to bottom than Washington, but they just weren't on that day. And they're a team that I like. Whoever you are, rest of the season, whether it's in the Pac-12 or in the potential college football playoff, if they made it there, I absolutely. I don't care if it's Michigan or Georgia. I don't want to play Oregon. Yeah, no, I think that they are really playing a great brand of football at the moment, and that was impressive to see them dismantle Utah the way that they did. I mean, it didn't start off that way. You thought, like, dang, is or- is Utah going to hang in this game too? But I just felt like you- uh, Oregon just had too much firepower. I mean, offensively, defensively, you name it. And uh, sure enough, they did. I mean, they, they ended up running away with that game eventually. Um, tough loss for Utah, but, I mean, I think everybody would agree they would kind of exceeded the expectations given their injuries at this point already. And so to think that they were going to – I mean, they had gone and beaten Oregon, like, after all that. Just give Kyle Whittingham the, the decade coach of the year award or whatever. But, no, uh, was not in the cards because Oregon is just really, really good. And, uh, yeah, like you said, they're out for blood, and uh, they're right there in that playoff conversation with a bunch of big games still left to play. Yeah, I, I wonder think- if Utah – is. they're not going to tap out. They're not going to do no. that. 
but you just wonder if they're just worn out right now. Well, and look, how like eventually not having your quarterback is going to get to you. They, you know, they've been walking that that line for a while, and you're running against Oregon, who's really good. And I think it was, you know, it's probably worse news for the rest of the Pac-12 that Oregon lost that game, and Dan Lanning now has a chip on his shoulder about it. That had they won the game, and he might have had to keep the rat poison out of their mouths. Yeah, so and I want to make sure I'm not saying that's why Oregon won because they pummeled them. But you just, man, I tell you what. Well, I mean, you run up against a team like that. Like, you're going to need – you need Cam rising against Oregon. Yeah. That's what you need. You don't need, like, no offense to Bryson Barnes. You don't need that guy. I mean, he threw two interceptions, no touchdowns. They had 99 yards rushing. He had, like, under 50% completion percent. I mean, yeah, that's not going to work. And and that was something they were inevitably going to run into. Uh, It's just that Oregon's good enough to actually force that and and, and not only do that defensively, but then also be good enough on offense to overcome Utah's biggest strength, which is their defense. And, and yeah, we saw the the difference in those two uh, here at the moment. But Utah's still a good team, but Oregon's got potential to be a great team. If Oregon takes care of business against Cal, which they should, but they gave U.S. How how many points could they score against USC's defense in two weeks? uh, Name it. I mean, pick, pick a number over 50. Uh, I think they could. Alex Grinch isn't a problem, though, guys. No, he's, no, he's fine. Totally fine. Yeah. Um, by, the, by the way, uh, congratulations to Cal. Hope your protest worked out well for a professor who got fired for stalking someone. Is that what that was? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What well. a stupid, like, I thought it was going to be like a, like a real-world issue where you're like, okay, kids, I get it, you know. But no, it's for a professor who got fired. That's what it was. Uh, way to go, guys. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> enjoy no, that ACC. Yeah. Number one. Iowa's nightmare has an expiration date. It will be after their bowl game. Uh, and I'm just going to say it. I don't think that that's the only Ferentz that needs to go. I, I Kirk Ferentz has certainly earned his own retirement or exit by being an excellent coach there for a long time. But, I mean, he was addressed with this problem about the offense and refused to solve it, and then they had to solve it for him. That's never a good sign when it comes to coaching university. When the university has a pr- – like, no, like we can all identify – like, everyone can agree the offense isn't scoring enough points, except for the head coach who did not want to solve the problem and then like, kind of painted himself into a corner with this. And I get you're supporting your son, but, like, can you make him the tight ends coach or something and – and let somebody else call the plays until he's ready to do that again? I mean, I thought what the AD said and the way she said it was like. Yeah, she shouldn't have to be making these decisions. Like almost not to hurt anybody's feelings, but it was blistering. It made it, made it we got to do this, and we got to do what's best for our program, and it's best that we make the decision at this particular time. Yeah, they've got to start recruiting offensive players, too. I won't pretend to know the pulse of Iowa Hawkeye football or what the feeling is around uh you know the the program at the moment but i i, I don't know I, I i know where you're coming from paul but that dude's built up so much goodwill yeah. and i understand he's erased some of it with the whole handling of of brian ference but i mean that guy's i mean what are you gonna go realistically do if you're iowa you know what i mean you're gonna go hire luke fickle like wisconsin did or like what, what are your yeah. plans because you have an identity i can't say that for the team over here uh, i can't say that for some other teams i watched on saturday mm-hmm. um now Yes, the offense has to be better, but he's going to get a crack at trying to do that before any t- kind of you know time starts ticking on him. He he seems to have like pretty free reign, but he he definitely he definitely threw some of that to the wayside uh, in defense of of his son, and you know I'm sure that will need to be uh, cleared up or, or what have you. But I mean that dude has has kept them 
at a, a pretty high level for a long time, and, and I don't know that there's a lot of guys out there that could continue to do that. All right, uh, one quick note of the ACC schedule. We will dig into it more tomorrow. Uh, SMU's crossover games are going to be the common. will be Stanford and Cal, so that's mm-hmm. pretty good for them because of the time zone. Now, here is the picture, once again, of the glass being broken in the visiting radio booth, and that has at least been put up for now. Paul, you made a very mean comment on text. Well, I mean, look, leave it don't, up. Don't say it. I'll say no, it. No, don't. Le- leave it up. Baylor needs all the help they can get. Yeah. <laughs> have, yeah. have all the coaches. Cra- look, Soki, you and I have had to do high school games literally shoulder to shoulder yep. in booths. Mm-hmm. We made it work. Very similar to that. They, listen, Houston can make it work. Yeah. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.